Good. You can be seated. Uh, okay. I, I need everybody to to clap for for Chris and Brooke. Okay. Can you do that right now for me? Can you just clap for Chris and Brooke. Okay. Good. And and you're all you're all giving me the look like why are we clapping for Chris and Brooke? Okay. Well, here's why. They changed over my computer and got everything ready up there and everything so that, you know, everything would work. And they were a little nervous. Well, you weren't really nervous. Actually, they made me nervous as to what they were going to put up there. I don't know what's going to happen. But anyways, they did a great job, so we are ready to go. Folks, uh, this morning is not going to be so much of of a preaching service this morning. Uh, Pastor John has just asked me to share with you just some of our philosophy behind uh, uh, what we do with Word of Life, uh, uh, some leadership principles that, uh, uh, that we hold to in our ministries, uh, that we want to encourage other churches to, uh, to grow in and, uh, and work on. I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to do that, Pastor John, and uh, so that's, that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, uh, the first thing I want to share with you is just a small pyramid. Some of you have probably seen this before. Some of you this is probably all new to. Um, but I hope you understand that uh, uh, as we go and we share with other churches, uh, and, and even uh, in this church, um, a lot of people see Corinne and I as, you know, the people, the, the, the program people. You know, we're the ones that have the, the student program that can help them, and and a children's program and, and, and a preschool program. And, uh, and in Word of Life, yes, we do have those things to offer. Uh, but let me just first start out by sharing with you. You know, when it comes to the challenges in our ministries or, or, or in our families or in our parenting, uh, perhaps in our marriages or whatever the case may be, or the junior church here or student ministry, uh, let me just first be the, uh, be the one to say that the solution, the answer will never be a program, okay? (laughs) Uh, I hope you're aware of that. I hope you know that I believe that wholeheartedly. When we are building a ministry, or if we are building a marriage, or building our family, uh, we have got to base or found our lives, what we are doing on something far more important than a program, or tools, or stuff uh, that we use to do the ministry. In fact, uh, uh, you're looking at a pyramid there this morning. If you are going to build a pyramid or if you are going to build a house, the most important part of that is the foundation, isn't it? The foundation has got to be great. It's got to be excellent because if we go wrong there, as you continue to build, we're, we're, you're going to be in more trouble in days ahead, aren't you? You know what? It's going to shift. It's going to move. The windows are going to crack. Our foundation has got to be excellent. And so that's why we with Word of Life would wholeheartedly say, and I know this church would say this as well right here, everything that we do and that we believe when it comes to building ministries have got to be founded on biblical principles. Now, most of us would probably say amen to that. All right, this is great. Hey, we're all on the same page. Uh, I agree with that. But I tell you what, I, I, I'm in so many ministries and, and churches and uh, folks. In fact, I just got to tell you, I'm headed out to Jamestown this week and I'm meeting with a, a young youth pastor. Good guy. Man, he's got a great heart for ministry. He really, really does. He's got a great group of students there uh, that he's ministering to. But sometimes I think we get so caught up in program or doing things that sometimes we don't just stop and consider, you know what, just, just what, what is it that God wants me to do? 
to be successful in my marriage or my ministry or, or, or whatever the case may be. And a lot of what we do simply here is this, is, uh, is we try to share with folks biblical principles of ministry and then actually walk through an entire process. Okay, how do I get that to flesh out in, in what we're doing, in what we're doing in our student ministry or our children ministry? or whatever the case may be. Because from the time you agree with the biblical principle to how it actually comes out in your life, there's a good distance there. There really is. In fact, uh, when, uh, when Corinne and I, when we started spending some time together, which we didn't have a very long engagement, some people might recall. She was God's woman for me, so I went after her. She was great. We, it wasn't a real romantic, you know, engagement time. You know what? We, we talked about marriage. We... We talked about divorce, we talked about parenting, we talked about kids. That's what most of our time was spent doing. And we talked about biblical principles of, of raising children. We actually talked about that. And so, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And for the most part, you know what? The things that we believed about parenting uh, when it comes to what the Bible says, they really lined up with each other. Now, we eventually had kids. And when it comes to actually following those principles and what that looks like, you know what? It's east, it's east meets west, you know? <laughs> and we've got to try to come together, all right, to get this boat going in the same direction. And most of you could probably testify to that. You know what? It's easy to agree on biblical principles. But how, how do we work those throughout everything that we do in our ministry so that we are just simply doing what God has called us to do? And this little pyramid that you're seeing about building a ministry or about building something is something that Word of Life has put together that has really actually helped me to think through everything that I do. Yeah, honestly, when it comes to my marriage or parenting or whatever the case may be. And the first thing is this. It's simply this. Everything that we do must be founded on biblical principles. When you consider our youth ministries, our student ministries, are you able to actually list the verses that you would go to that say, this is what I found my parenting on. In fact, when it comes to entertainment in your house, can I just give you a challenge? Do you have biblical principles on what you use when it comes to your entertainment in your house? On where, you, and where your children go? Or what they watch on TV? You know, I, I think that's a really good idea. And make sure that our children and our students understand that. It's not just, well, you can't watch that movie, that's bad for you. There's more to it than that. Don't we want our students to be able to understand from the scriptures to follow principles for themselves? Well, we've got to be teaching them those kind of things. And so very simply put, everything we do must be founded on biblical principles. Secondly is this, is when you get all of those principles together, you know what, if I've got a basket here sitting in my arms and we stick all of these principles in here, you know what a philosophy is? A philosophy is just how you think about something. You know what? If we start from ground zero with all those biblical principles, hopefully, hopefully what will happen is they form just the way we think about something. See, uh, a philosophy is very simply that. It's just how you think about something. Now, even here in our student ministry or any ministry for that matter, we've come from all kinds of different places. We grew up. We had our own youth groups when we were growing up. Yeah, perhaps you can say, yeah, I believe that that's a biblical principle. But when it comes to the way we think about ministry or parenting or a marriage, sometimes there's a little tweak there. Sometimes we just don't always think the same way. And you know what? If we're grounded 
on biblical principles, if we can all agree with that, you know what? We can go right back to God the source and agree with what he says about ministry or anything else. You know what? This might sound a little silly, uh, but I have a, um, uh, I have a philosophy of how I mow my yard, okay? You should laugh because this is really silly what I'm going to share with you, okay? I, I don't know why. It's just the way I think about mowing my yard. I start with my trimmer. Okay, and I always start in the front yard. I don't know why. That's just what I do, okay? I start around my edging that goes around in planting beds. I've got a telephone pole in the front, and I've got a fire hydrant. And then I do that first. Then I go around back, and I don't know why, but I always start in the same spot, okay, in the back, around that edging. And I go there, and I do, I do all around the swing set and everything else. I do it. Then I go and mow. And when I mow, um, you know, most people just do lines straight up and down, okay? I, I, I don't know why, but I kind of do mine on an angle in the front yard. I just think... It looks cool, okay? I, look, I don't know why. It's just the way I think about mowing my yard. It's my philosophy of mowing my yard, okay? And that's just, I don't know. That's just, how I, that's just how I think about mowing my yard. But the same thing can be true when it comes to our ministries. You know, we have a way that we think about our ministries. And sometimes the way we think about marriage or our parenting or our ministries, sometimes we can't drive all those things back down to biblical principles. That's true of all of us. You know why? Because we're sinners. We're just sinners uh, with sin-cursed minds. You know, I, I tell you what, living the Christian life or walking with God, uh, I, I tell you what, it is an amazing thing that God has given us. In fact, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is the only thing, the only thing that would do for being able to walk with God. He's got to be inside of us. Otherwise, we don't stand a chance. <laughs> And uh, we've just got to start with principles and have that govern the way we think and govern our philosophy. And second, thirdly is this. Now you can establish perhaps what are some of my purposes, what are some of my goals in ministry. And you know what? A lot of folks, they start right here. Perhaps when you're talking about your student ministry, your Olympian ministry. What are our goals? What do we want to accomplish? Let's start right there. What, what do we want to accomplish? It, doesn't that sound like a good thing? We start with our, our goals. But often, here's what I see in a lot of youth ministries and a lot of folks. They're shooting for things that, that just don't really matter. That I can't necessarily drive back down to a biblical principle. Now, now this might sound really good. Uh, I, I remember talking to one particular youth pastor. He's got a small youth group, and he's just got a passion. He's just got a drive to see more students in his youth ministry. I, I appreciate that. I think he wants to reach more. I think he wants to have a... A, a bigger, a, a wider ministry. But just having more people in your youth room, I, I, I don't think that I can drive that down to a biblical principle. Now, I, I think ministries can grow, and I think they should grow. I think there's a right way to grow in your ministry. But, uh, you know, honestly, it's, it's not difficult to grow a ministry. It really isn't. It's not difficult to get more people in your church or to get more people in your youth group. If, if, if you stood out front and handed out a $5 bill to everybody that came in the door, you will get more people in your church, okay? But I don't think we can drive that down to a biblical principle. In fact, I did hear of a church in Florida that actually did that. Uh, so if you're thinking to yourself, well, that's crazy. No one would do that. Well, yeah, they would. <laughs> this is America 2010. Don't put it beyond us. But the goals that we have... We've got to be able to drive them back down to biblical principles. For the most part, these things right here are never going to change. 
probably should never change. See, biblical principles are things that are right for all people, for all time, for all countries, for all cultures, no matter where you are, who you go, no matter how old you are. Biblical principles are something that you can depend on, that you can rest on, that are right for everybody all the time. I tell you what, that just takes, that just takes a lot of pressure off. <laughs> If you could just know that I'm just doing something that God wants me to do, I tell you what, there's a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence there. And instead of just starting saying, well, what do we want to accomplish? What are our goals? Let's go all the way back down to the bottom here. Let's, let's, let's find those principles. Let's have that govern the way we think. Now let's set some of the goals that we want to have. Because you know what? If we're still thinking about biblical principles, you know what? Your goals, they're going to fall right in line with biblical principles. And lastly, look at all the way upside this, uh, this triangle. It's this. Uh, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself a little bit. Um, uh, your purpose are just your goals. But after we've defined some of those things, now you know what we need to talk about? Now we can start talking about a program. See, a, a, a program is just simply this. A program is just a tool. It, it's just a vehicle. It's just something you use to help you get from one place to to the next. And you know what? There are, when you're talking about youth ministry, children's ministry, there are dozens and dozens of programs out there, and a lot of them do a lot of good things. The question is this is can we drive what we do in that program all the way back down to, to biblical principles? And you know what? That's a challenge. You know what? The last time I checked, the Bible's a big book. Okay? God has a lot to say. <laughs> about how to do ministry and about how to live. And so what Word of Life is, uh, is trying to do and continually trying to do, it's this. It's to put some programs and some tools and some things together that are founded on biblical principles so that if we can follow some of those principles, we can just simply be going where God wants us to go. Now, let me, let me stand up here and say, Okay, I have churches in my area that they use the student program or Olympians or, or Gopher Buddies. Uh, and they're using what I believe is a great program. And they're missing it. They're still missing it. Because there's still biblical principles of, of, of leadership or other things that we need to be on target with that, that are challenging. See, a program is not the end-all answer, is it? It's just simply following what God has told us when it comes to ministry. So what I want to do is I want to share with you some of those things. Oh, I forgot this little dynamic. Far too often, this is what happens in ministries. You know what? We, we try to found it on a person. Have you ever seen that before? A ministry or your work or your job or whatever the case may be. It's all built around a person. Let me ask you something. What happens when the person leaves? Everything just absolutely falls apart. We can't build our ministries around, uh, around people. And what we certainly can't do is build it around a program. We've got to go deeper than that. Let me just stand up here and say, I'm thrilled that you guys use Word of Life for your student ministry program. You cannot build a ministry on a program. Okay? It's got to be built on biblical principles. We've got to know why we're doing what we're doing. So what I wanted to share with you today is just some of those principles. In essence... Uh, when it comes to our ministry, what we want to accomplish and what we want to do, what I think is good for every church is these principles, basically. Uh, leadership training for us as, uh, as leaders and adults to be growing and changing ourselves. Discipleship and evangelism. Let me just walk through uh, a few principles of, uh, 
uh, of leadership. Here's one right here. Uh, teamwork. Uh, this text is really good. Folks, I'm going to be moving a lot of different places in the scriptures this morning. You can turn there uh, if you like. That's all good and great, or you can write them down. Uh, I decided I'd put them up here on the screen for you, so it would just make it uh, a, a little bit easier for us to all follow along. But a great biblical principle of leadership, and we talked about some things down in ABF. We looked at Saul, but it just fundamentally from the scriptures, here's a great one, teamwork. For as the body is one... And has many members. Uh, that's, that's a team. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. H- have you ever been part of a ministry or a group where you just thought to yourself, you know, this would just be a lot easier if that person just wasn't on the team. <laughs> H- have you ever thought that way? I, okay, I'll be the one to start it all off. I sure have. <laughs> okay. But you know what? Uh, All of the members are necessary. All of the members are necessary in the body. In fact, this particular passage goes on to say, you know what, what if the whole body were uh, um, a nose or an ear? Where would the sense of smelling be? When I think about, honestly, this morning, and the worship that we did this this morning, um, we need every single instrument on on the same page and on the same note. And you know what? When they're all together, it's just it's great, isn't it? Isn't it great to listen? And is it great to sing? Okay. Now consider this. What if uh, what if you just decide to play any old drum beat that you wanted to? Okay? That would make things really interesting. In fact, your mom would probably slap you upside down and one the other. But uh, when one of the members quite isn't a part of the team and working together, all right? No matter how unimportant or how important you think the person is, you know what? It hurts the team. They've all got to be together. They've all got to be on the same page. And so teamwork is a very important principle of ministry in that last part of this particular text, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. That's a challenging principle of leadership. It really is. It really is. Here's, here's another one. Uh, not just teamwork, but how about personal growth on your, on your, uh, uh, in your marriage or on your ministry team? Second Peter 1.8. This is so good. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? I think that's often just what we want in our ministries. I don't want to be barren or unfruitful. I, I don't want to feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Well, you know what? One way you can be certain of that is this. It's just to be growing. <laughs> it's abounding. It's abounding in biblical principles of how we, we grow and change. We're going to talk about those in just a little bit. But there's another very important part of a team or a ministry to build together. If one particular member is not willing to grow or not willing to change, you know what? It, it, it hurts the whole team. It hurts the whole body. Here's, a, here's another one. Accountability. Some of you are probably familiar with this Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 17. Uh, when we're talking about accountability. As iron sharpen irons, so when man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, a lot of us don't particularly like this principle of leadership. Can you, you, you get the picture? Some of you are just... Uh, I mean, if you even just stop and think about steel against steel, all right? You know what? It makes the fillings in your teeth just chatter a little bit, all right? And 
because there's rubbing there. There's small, minuscule pieces of steel that are being chipped away. That hurts a little bit. But you know what? The sword can't cut like it's designed to if it's not being sharpened. And you know what? That, that's a good thing. Accountability is a good thing. To have somebody come alongside me and ask me, Hey, Corey, how are you really doing in this area? How are you really doing with your marriage? You know what? I, I, I don't get offended by that at all. I have, I have about five different people that I'm accountability partners with. Uh, uh, even this particular youth pastor that I'm meeting with, I've only met him once. You know, one of the first things he immediately talked about, when you think about this younger generation that's coming up, man, they, they are all about relationships. They got nothing to hide, okay? They cut right to the heart, and they're ready to talk about anything and everything right away. I, personally, I, I, I think that's great. I, I, I like that. Uh, but sometimes, if you're trying to put a team together... You know what? Some of us from a different generation might stop and think, oh my goodness, they are so out there. Why don't they just learn a little bit of sense of social graceness here? Wow, why are they so like that? Well, you know what? Those two people got to work together as a team. <laughs> um, and so accountability, I think, is another one. Uh, here's another good one. Uh, teachability, James uh, 4, verses 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Um, just recently, uh, we're in, uh, in, just in our quiet time, uh, the, the Word of Life quiet time. We're in 2 Timothy right now. And uh, we came to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, uh, a verse that's been really, really important to me for many years. It just very simply says this, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. And, uh, and here's what I wrote down. And this was just really good for me to remember. If I'm not strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, I'm not strong at all. <laughs> you, you can't do anything without God's grace. You can't do any ministry without His grace. You can't parent without God's grace. Anything that we do comes from... It comes from Him. So when it, comes to being, when it comes to being teachable and being people that are humble, that's exactly what we should be. If you're somebody that's humble, ready to receive, man, you're, you're in the place where God's grace can abound to you. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. Uh, here's, a, here's another principle. I'm going to keep moving through this. It's this. It's leadership by example. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Here's what it says. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Uh, I know it's very easy to, for us to say that, you know what, you need to, you know, don't necessarily watch me and do everything I do. You need to get your eyes on Jesus and get your eyes on, on a perfect example. And I, I don't know what else to say, but simply this. I don't think that that's necessarily a biblical approach to ministry. Because you know what that does? That takes the responsibility off of me. <laughs> it takes the responsibility off of us to be an example of what God has called us to be. Now, here, here's the challenging part that we don't necessarily like. There's stuff about me that, that I, that's not good. <laughs> There's stuff probably about each one of us that we need to change and to grow in. But I, I want to share with you, even in the things that you need to work and to grow in and to change, and even the ugly stuff about every single one of us, did you know that God can use that in a powerful, powerful way for effective, very effective discipleship? No matter how black or ugly or terrible you feel like you might be sometimes, 
man, that's, it's an opportunity <laughs> for great ministry to take place. Uh, just, just a couple more real quick. Unity, Philippians 4, verse 2. Uh, this is really good. I implore Euodia. I don't know exactly if I'm going to pronounce these names correct. I implore Euodia and Syntyche. They, they be like-minded or they be of one mind. Or one particular translation says this, that they would agree. Now, here's what we've tended to adopt in Christendom today. It's this, well, we're just, we're just not going to agree with each other. So, you know what, let's just, you know, let's just set our differences and our disagreements on this aside and we'll just keep working together. And some people say that is the definition of unity. And friends, I've got to share with you, that's not even close. You see what Paul told these ladies to do? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Yodi and Syntyche and hearing this and saying, I want you to agree with each other? And other people in the church looking around saying, oh man, we are in for a ride. <laughs> that, that, that's Paul's solution. <laughs> to agree with each other. We need to be thinking the same thing and going in the same direction. Now listen, I understand somebody likes blue over red. That's okay. I don't care about that. That doesn't matter. We can still be unified and not agree on our pair of shoes or everything else. But what we do have to agree on are on biblical principles. Of ministry. What we do need to agree on is the gospel. What we do need to agree on are the things that God has called us to do to, to grow and to change. Um, a couple more. Commitment to excellence. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Uh, a commitment to excellence says this. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And if I could just use a word here. In a number of churches that I see today, we are so content and so happy with mediocrity. <laughs> and listen, we can't tolerate that. We can't settle for that. We need to be thinking excellence. We need to be thinking, you know what, what we're doing right now, yeah, it's, it's good enough. That's okay. That does not cut it. What we do, all right, is for the glory of God. <laughs> and okay is not just okay. <laughs> we need to be shooting for excellence. And you might be saying to yourself right now, okay, Corey got pretty aggressive and a little rough on that. That's often where the problem is, is when somebody comes along and tries to push us too hard and things get too difficult. You know what? It, it, it's good to be pushed, to be excellent in what we do. There's a right way to do it, okay? There's a right way to lead as that, as that happens. That's some of the things that we work on with some of our leadership teams together. Here's, here's one last one. Uh, it's this. It's admonishing uh, uh, Romans uh, 15, verse 14. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of golden goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. He's telling them, you guys can't admonish one another. Admonishing has a great uh, definition. It's not just a biblical confrontation be between two people. It's not just a confronting but it's the confronting, but also building up at the same time. You know what I mean? Sometimes we think, well, if there's a, a confrontation, boy, that relationship is going to take a long time before it's ever going to be good again. That, that doesn't need to be the case. Admonishing is this. We, we encourage one another. As a team, we need to be able to encourage one another. In my family, I, I, I need to be okay with my, my children, my daughters, encouraging, encouraging me. Now, Erilyn was just saying, our neighbor, Mike, 
He just needs Jesus. <laughs> and I was just reminded again. I, I felt admonished from my daughter saying, Mike needs Christ. He needs the Lord. I need to keep that in the forefront of my mind. Uh, and that kind of admonishing needs to be okay amongst the team. And if you're sitting there saying to yourself, when I think of my ministry team here at the church or people that I work with, and they were to come up and try to admonish me, I don't know if I'd go for that. <laughs> uh, this happens both ways. You need to be able to admonish people. You need to be able to accept uh, some encouragement in that direction. Now, now listen, I, I just gave you about eight principles of, of leadership. And, and, and here's what I want to share with you. Uh, I, I don't know of any ministry, any church, in my own home, anywhere, that has the market cornered on all of those things. <laughs> and you might be saying, well, what are we talking about them for? <laughs> here's why. When it comes to leadership, when it comes to our ministries and what we're doing, you know what? It's something that we, it's something that we grow in. It's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight. But you know what? If we don't ever stop and consider what are some principles for ministry, you know what? You're not going to have anything to aim for. You're not going to have anything to try to grow in. You know what? Growing in our ministries and in our leadership, it doesn't happen on accident. <laughs> it happens on purpose, intentionally. This is something I'm going to focus on and try to work on and grow in. Uh, uh, here are a couple other things. Uh, a lot of these things are very familiar to you folks, so I'm not going to spend tons of time on them. Uh, when it comes to discipleship and how we grow, our, grow and change, I think these are some things that Scripture lays out for us. Uh, if I were to put a synonym with quiet time, it's basically this. It's just spending time with God. That, that, that's what I think a quiet time is. Spending time with God. That's why I just appreciated the song. We need to hide away and get alone. I cannot ever forget a particular quote. Uh, I have forgotten who said it, but it basically says this. Uh, it was a leader who said, I will not, spend, I will not uh, spend time in public until I have spent time in private with my God. In essence, it's this. If you can't do public ministry <laughs> without having a private relationship with Jesus too. Uh, uh, scripture memory, I think, is another very important part of how we grow and change. How can a young man keep his way pure? But by taking heed according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden or I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. And sometimes I think we, 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 our approach to Scripture memory is for, or rote, for rote memory so that I just simply memorize it. All right, it's going to transform my mind and that'll be good. Take note of how often the Scripture talks about our heart. Scripture memory is not to fill the head. Scripture memory is to fill my heart. It's got to, it's got to move me. It's got to change who I am inside. When it comes to uh, dealing with sin, I, folks, you've got to have a list of verses that you have memorized or that you are working on to help us fight temptation to keep us away from sin. Um, there's a lot of those principles there, and I think many of you are very, very familiar with them, uh, so I'm not going to spend tons of time. But I think another, uh, lastly, when we're looking at some of our goals, it's this, it's evangelism. Um, I think the Lord works in many, many different ways when it comes to evangelism. I, I couldn't even begin to try to put God in a box of how he brings people to himself. I, I remember one particular ministry um, uh, uh, that was describing a story of how uh, they were trying to smuggle Bibles into a country. They got caught at the border and the, 
the soldiers ripped the Bibles apart. They just, they just ripped them apart and shredded them. Uh, a few months later, um, in the city, there's a bird nest outside of the window, and somehow a bird decided to use a piece of paper to make its nest. It just so happened to be from John chapter 3, and the person responded to the gospel from it. Uh, now listen, I, I don't think that that ought to be our strategy, okay? <laughs> All right? I'm just simply saying God will use any way he wants to to bring people to himself. And I think these are some of them. I think personal evangelism is right on. I think we need to be training each other for personal evangelism. Local church outreaches, uh, Christian service. When we're talking about your, your students and our, our ministries, Keith, I think your teens can be sharing the gospel in Christian services and seeing their friends come to know Christ and people in this community too. Uh, large group events. We see the Lord work through that all the time. Um, so I think evangelism is, is very important. Um, and as you're talking about all of these principles with, with what we do, it's all in the context of a small group type of a ministry. Now, let me just give you uh, just a little bit of a picture, a little bit of a perspective in this. When we're talking, let me just say this. I think Bible study is a biblical principle of ministry. You saw it up there on the screen a second ago. How does this actually fit? Okay, do we just teach a Bible lesson right here in our student ministry? This is the spot where we stand and we teach the Bible to our kids. Is that just simply how it works? Uh, no, it's in the context of small groups. Here's what I think we do. We need to break down into small groups. And one of the biggest challenges that we have when it comes to teaching the Bible is not just simply listening to it, but doing what it says. And within the context of a small group ministry, here's what you do. You talk about the scriptures. You talk about the Bible lesson that you just heard. And each leader encouraged the student in a specific application just for them. You know, many of you have probably taught before. You've taught a lesson. You've taught uh, VBS or in some way, shape, or form. Or you've tried to teach your children something. Have you ever walked away just thinking, oh, I hope they got something out of that. <laughs> I hope they do something with that. Listen, I, I don't think that that needs to be the case. I think in our student ministry, we can plan on helping every single person that comes into our student ministry or our Olympian ministry and encouraging them to do something specific with the lesson that they heard just that night. I just think that that's discipleship. That's just good discipleship. Now, in a large group, that's really difficult. I can't just call Frank out and tell him what I think he needs to do this next week. That's what he wouldn't probably prefer that, okay? And that wouldn't be a good idea for me. But when you get down into small groups, and it's just a couple of us right here, we can all talk together about how I'm going to apply God's word to my life this week as a result of, of what I just heard. See, that's Bible study put down into a small group context. When you're talking about quiet time or spending time with God, it's not just, hey, how many quiet times did you do this week? Well, you need to make sure you're doing your quiet time. It's so much more than that. It's a leader sharing with, hey, can I just share with you how God really helped me this week when it came to me spending time with God and he gave me exactly what I needed today. And you exemplify how time with God is so critical in how we live and how I live my life every single day. And you do that with your students and your children. That'll transform their lives. It's not just accountability for the sake of accountability. It, you know what it is? It's leadership by example. That's why we have an adult quiet time and we have a student quiet time that are both on the same passage so that you used a tool, a vehicle, a, something there to help you to accomplish some biblical discipleship. Um, 
Uh, discipleship is simply this. I think it's teaching others to be what we already are. Th- that, that's why a biblical principle of leadership is this. We've got to be growing. Uh, We've got to be growing. Um, discipleship doesn't, man- doesn't demand a perfect leader. Let me just make this very, very clear. Discipleship doesn't demand that we just have our act all together before we get plugged into ministry. I think here are some qualifications of, uh, of a good leader. Somebody that's willing, somebody that's growing, and somebody that's teachable. And here's the beauty of this. If you're doing discipleship, you know what? If I'm not perfect, if, I, uh, if we think to ourselves, well, I've got to be, I've got to have my act more together. There's some areas in my life that I need to change and grow in before I dive in. Here's what I want to share with you. I, I, I disagree. I say, jump in now. You say, well, that sounds crazy. I'm going to be a horrible example to them. No, you won't. And here's why. Because if you're somebody that's just growing in those areas, you know what you'll reproduce in your students and teens? You'll reproduce somebody that's growing. Isn't that what we want? (laughs) Won't that be good enough? Maybe we won't produce somebody that's perfect. You know what? (laughs) That's a farce anyways. Let's just reproduce people that are growing. (laughs) And that would be phenomenal, fantastic ministry. That's why the things, the dark, ugly things about me that I need to grow and to change in, I can't go into my closet and say, well, I'm not ready for this. You know what? I need to put it out there in front of folks and be willing and secure enough to say, listen, I want to grow and change in this area. And I want you to watch me and come along with me as we all do that. (laughs) That's just effective ministry. That's just effective ministry. Um, This is what I'm going to close on. This is our last slide, folks. Uh, how do we think about helping students do biblical principles? I, and this is really important. This is really good for me as somebody described it to me. And I just want to share uh, with you. We've talked about lots of stuff about try to help students and help children do biblical principles of quiet time, scripture and memory, uh, Christian service, being faithful to their local church and all this different stuff. How do, what is our approach in doing that? Well, here's one particular approach to helping folks do that. It's this. It's a very legalistic approach. And if you can imagine with yourself a, uh, a pendulum here, okay? If you're talking about God's way of helping people to grow and change, be in the, in the middle, and you're talking about this being one way and this being another, you know what? I think, if, I guess if you want to say, swinging all the way to the right <laughs> would be a very legalistic approach to helping people with biblical principles. Here's what a very legalistic approach looks like in helping a student with quiet time. It's this, all right? Quiet time is a biblical principle. It's very important for you to grow and change with your relationship. You need to be doing quiet time. And so I want to know how many are you doing and are you doing it? End of story. And it becomes a very performance approach to helping people do biblical principles. Friends, listen. The biblical principles that we're talking about are so precious. They're so great. They're so good. Please, let's not take a legalistic approach. We want students to be overwhelmed. We want them to be changed. We want them to be excited about what God is teaching them. Let's not make it, take a, 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 a very right-wing approach to it. You know, and this is the approach that us guys often like. You know what? I, we're doing quiet time, so that's the plan. You just do it, okay? That's all there is to it. Just do it because that's what we're all doing, so... Do it. (laughs) All right? That's just, I think sometimes that's the tendency for us. And it tends to be very high in law. Now now listen, let me ask you a question. Do do we need principles and some laws for us to follow? 
You bet we do. Absolutely. But you know what? When you swing it out of balance, you know what? Even truth, when it gets swung out of balance, it becomes error. And here's what ends up happening. A very legalistic approach to principles. You know what actually breeds? Some rebellion. Have you ever seen a student that grew up in a church, got told all the right things, can say all the right verses? They got out of high school and they just went off the deep end. I think sometimes that's what happened. In a household where, where, where dad is king, one and only, okay, and you just do what I say, great. You might be able to control their behavior while they're in their house, but as soon as they leave, they cannot wait to leave. <laughs> and they just go off the deep end. It ends up being a very legalistic approach to some precious things that God has told us to how we grow into change. Let's swing the pendulum the other direction. It's this. It's a license approach to biblical principles. And it tends to be very high in love. It's, it's this. Okay, I understand. Yeah, you're not doing too good in this area, but that's all right. You know, uh, you know what? You'll, you'll do better. I know you'll get better at that. And you just come alongside and we elevate the friendship side of ministry. And you know what? Let me ask you this. D- do we need love in our ministries and friendship with them? A- absolutely. But you know what? If you swing it out of balance, it becomes error. And here's what typically happens with this approach. It ends up breeding recklessness. You know what? If there's a young student or a young girl that perhaps has made a wrong decision to get involved physically with somebody, it's very important that we come alongside them and we love them and we care about them. But you know what? If we never stop and share what the Scripture says about that, we, we may be doing an, an injustice. Uh, and lastly, I... Th- I think here's a great balance. Uh, James chapter 1 talks about looking into the perfect law of liberty. Doesn't that sound like a contradiction? A law of liberty? I thought those were opposites. You know what? Not at all. You know what the scriptures do? You've heard this before. They, they set us free. And if, you're ever, and if you're sitting there saying to yourself, okay, I just never quite got that. How does following regulations and rules set me free. It sounds like they handcuff me. It sounds like <laughs> I have to do this or else I, I'm just stuck. That's all there is to it. Well, I tell you what, Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 119, verses 32 and 35, or 45 are excellent texts where David says, I will follow your, princep- or your precepts and you have enlarged my heart. <laughs> Isn't that good? Where David is basically saying, I'm going to do exactly what you say, but you have enlarged my heart. Basically, he's saying, I'm free because I'm following your word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. You know what? This is going to, I, I honestly think it can simplify ministry for us. You know what we need? We both need to follow principles. There has to be some law. You know what? We both need to build relationships and follow love. You swing them out of balance and we could be error. You want to know the perfect way to do ministry or how we talk to students and children? It's Ephesians 4.15. What do we do? We speak the cold, hard, rough truth of God, but you do it in love. <laughs> you do it in love. And I tell you what, you, you, you can't miss either of them. If we're missing the relationship, the care and the concern for myths, and all we do is drive home truth, drive home truth without the love, you know what? We'll, we'll be missing it. 
If all we ever do is come alongside and care and love and, and be gracious, but we never actually share with them, this is how you get correct. This is how you need to walk in Christ. We're going to be missing it. And here's what that does. Oh, if we follow liberty, it's this. It ends up breeding righteousness. <laughs> it ends up breeding righteousness. I, I, I've just shared with you tons and tons of principles. Somebody put it like this to me. It's like taking a drink from a fire hydrant. It's like, whoa, I've had enough. Okay. <laughs> All right, I got it, Corey, please. That's enough. I can't handle it anymore. But I think it's important for us to be aware that there are principles that we all need to be following. And it's not just that easy. Say, okay, great, I agree with this. This is all fine and good. There's a process of building a ministry that will help us to simply be doing what God has called us to do. And it's not just elevating law. It's not just elevating love. We need both. We need both. We need to challenge our students. We also need to build relationships with them too. We need to find interest with them and build that. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll be done. Father, I just thank you so much for, uh, uh, for your word. Father, I thank, you for, I thank you for this church and for their desire to reach students. They have been attracting many students for many years. And Lord, I pray that you would help uh, uh, this church to continue to reach students with the gospel of Christ. There's so many at the bottom of this hill that need you. They're all around us. So, Father, I pray that you would give this church a great passion for evangelism and what that looks like and how to follow that principle. Father, I pray that you would also continue to strengthen this church when it comes to discipleship. We need that too. And I thank you for many, many years of good teaching in this church. Father, I also pray that you can help this church when it comes to leadership training. That there's things that we can be following in our ministries that are important, that are tough. They're tough to bring a team together. But Father, I pray that you would help the leadership of this church, the leaders of our ministry, to not give up. Now we're going to keep going forward and following principles of leadership. Lord, I thank you so much for, uh, for this church and the blessing that they are to our family, the support that they give us in prayer and in help. And so, Father, uh, today I pray simply that you would help us to simply walk with you that it just starts with a relationship with you. The body as a whole gets stronger as individuals get stronger. We thank you again for your grace. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.